Hello, everybody. This week's parish is Parish Mikates. And the parish begins with Parish dream, and no one can interpret it. And finally, the Sarah Mashkim steps up and says, Look, I know a guy. His name is Yosef. He can help you. But Rashi points out that the Sarah Mashkim, he struggles. You see, when he talks about Yosef, you can't just say, Yosef's a good guy. He can help you with your dream. He has to stick in some slurs about Yosef. He says, You know, I know a Nar. He's this young kid. He's not so wise. He's an Eved. He's a slave. Says Rashi, Arurim Harishayim. See, wicked people, they're cursed. They can never even do a good thing right. They can't do a toiva shleima. They can't do a complete kindness. And Rabbi Yochum and Das Torah points out that Rashi is telling us that this Sarah Mashkim, he wouldn't even mean to say something bad about Yosef. He was trying to help Yosef. He was trying to say that Yosef could help with his dream. It's just because he's such a wicked person, so then the wickedness comes out naturally. He just can't do a nice thing for somebody else. Whenever he's saying something nice about somebody, all the negative things that he knows about him also creep in. And Eriachim points out that really this is something we have to use in ourselves to test ourselves how much riches is still inside of us. If someone calls us and asks us, what do you think about this guy? Is he a good plumber? You say, look, Shmaro, look, he's a nudnik. And the, when he dominates for the Ahmed, oh yeah, Shamirachi. But look, he's not a bad plumber. Plumbing, he does well. Where does that come from? It's because we can't keep the riches that's inside of us out. It gets everywhere. And Rashi's telling us a way to test ourselves. The more we promote our tzitkas, the better of a tzaddik we become, the easier time we'll have to do nice things for other people in a complete way. A toiva shleima. That's something we have to focus on to get the rishas out of us. Later on in the parsha, Yosef gets married and he has a child and he names his child Manasha. And the Pasuk says the reason why he chose the name Manasha is because Kinashani Elikim is Kalamali. That's called Beisavi. Because God allowed me to forget all my hard work, all my tribulations, and all my father's home. And all my fortune are trouble, but obviously to want to forget the painful past or the hard work, that makes sense. But forgetting his father's home, how does that make sense? So I heard a shot from Ramesh Sternbach, and the truth is that the Ksava Kabbalah and the al say something similar. That Yosef HaTzadik grew up in Yaakov's home. And he had big dreams and big plans for what he was going to be. You know, he was Yaakov Star's his son, his star student. And he had, I'm sure, he had many, many, many different visions of what his life is going to look like. And then at the age of 17, things turned very, very different. He was sold into slavery. He gets stuck in jail. And now, 13 years later, he's in a very, very different place. And... As far as he can tell where life's taking him now, all his dreams and all his plans and everything, they've moved on. They're not that relevant anymore. But a lot of times in life when that happens, people get weighed down. They get frustrated and they're upset and they're depressed because this is not what I wanted. This is not what I was dreaming about. And they can't take on the new role and the new responsibility that's being given to them. This isn't what they had in mind. And there's a bracha that sometimes a person has to have. A person can have a bracha that sometimes he has to let go, to forget about what he thought he was going to do, and realize that right now, this is what I have to do. This is what Kosh Baruch Hu wants from me. This is the here and now, and this is what has to get done. And a person needs the strength to let go and to forget about what his original plans were. And that's the bracha that Yosef feels Kosh Baruch Hu gave him, is Kinashani. 
Kedvarku let him let go and let him forget and gave him the strength to move on and do what he had to get done right here and now. At the end of the parasha, Rashi tells us that Paroi tells Mitzrayim, Whatever Yosef tells you to do, you got to do. And Rashi explains what that means is that Yosef told him to do bris milah. Yosef told the Egyptians, if you want to get food for me, you want to get supported, you have to do bris milah. And the question the all of Farshim struggle with is why is Yosef making Mitzrayim get a bris milah? They're not chayiv in bris milah. We don't go around doing mass circumcisions. What kind of business is this? Why is Yosef doing this? So some of Farshim say that Yosef was trying to weaken the Yetzirah of Arias that existed in Mitzrayim. We know Mitzrayim is one of the most morally corrupt places, and Brismila is has the ability to help a person control his lusts for Arias. And because Yosef knew that the Jews were coming down to be in Mitzrayim, he wanted to kind of tamper the temptations a little bit and lower the Yetzirah for Arias. But if you look at Mitzrayim, it's a very interesting thing. He says that you find that Jews in general don't believe in converting non-Jews to Judaism. It's not what we do. We're not out there to make forced conversions. Yet, if a Jew buys a non-Jewish slave in Ebed-Kanani, the halacha is he has up to a year to convince him to accept a form of gerus, a form of conversion, to becoming obligated at least partially in mitzvahs. And if after a year the non-Jew says, I don't want to do it, he has to sell him back or sell him to another non-Jew. He can't keep him in his home. And again, the question presents itself, why? Why are we forcing conversion on this non-Jewish slave? Let him be a slave who's not Jewish. That's it. Says Yerucham, Tiger is telling us a very, very important principle. The principle of achrayis, that we have responsibility to other people. A regular non-Jew, I'm not responsible for him. He's his own person. He makes his own choices in his life. I'm not responsible for him. If a non-Jew becomes my slave, I have to feed him. I have to clothe him. I have to give him shelter. I'm responsible to take care of his physical needs. Says Yerucham, it cannot be that you have a person who you're responsible for them and you're going to let their soul rot for eternity? How could you do that to somebody? The Torah is telling you if someone's under your shelter, you're responsible for him, you have to give him Yiddishkeit. You have to give him a chance at Ruchnias. You can't let him stay in your house and let him rot away. And that says Yerucham, but Yosef felt the same way. Once the Mitzrayim, once the Egyptians were under Yosef's care, once he was feeding them, once he was taking care of their bodies, he couldn't let them rot away. He couldn't let them remain a Raylan and have no connection to spirituality. And therefore, he made every single one of them go and get a brismila. In Parshas Vayeshev, Yerucham brings a story. The story was that there was a fellow who in a certain shtetl somewhere in uh, Poland, Lithuania, I forgot where exactly it was. He was a very wealthy fellow, but everyone knew the way he made his money was through the black market and doing illegal trading and smuggling. But everyone knew, but look, and he did well for himself, so you don't say anything. And sure enough, like unfortunately it always happens, the day came when he got busted. And in those days, especially in Tsarist Russia, wherever it was, they, they didn't treat black market smuggling nicely. And people who were caught usually taken to be killed and this guy gets arrested and he's being taken by the police he's being dragged out of town and he tells the guards please stop for a second i want to do one thing please take me to the rabbi's house so for some reason the guards decide to be nice they take him to the rabbi's house and he gets in front of the rabbi's door and he knocks he calls the rabbi to come out and he yells at the rub in front of the whole time he says you knew that i do illegal things 
You knew the whole time. Why didn't you stop me? Why didn't you come to me and tell me, you idiot? One day you're going to get caught. You're going to be killed, and it's not worth it. Why didn't you let me know, and why didn't you slap me across the face and tell me, stop, save yourself? And the Rav had nothing to say. Says the Chavetz Chaim used to always say this story. Chavetz Chaim remember this story. Chavetz Chaim, he heard it, he was there. And Chavetz Chaim used to say, every Rav and every person who is in a position where they can help another person, Chavetz Mashiach is going to come. All the people we could have helped, all the people we could have pushed to do better, as they're being dragged to where is not a good place to go, they're going to stop and come up to us and say, why didn't you tell me? You knew better. Why didn't you help me? Why did you let me rot away? Says the Chavetz Chaim, it's something we have to think about when we turn a blind eye to people who we could help, people we could inspire, people we could push to do better. Just imagine them coming to us later on in life and saying, why didn't you stop me? Why didn't you help me? You knew better. And something we have to ask ourselves, why didn't we stop them? Why didn't we help them? Why weren't we ready to get out of our comfort zone to push them to do better if we know that that's what's best for them? I just want to end off with one thought about Hanukkah. The Gemara and Sukkah of the says that there was a certain Mishmar called Bilga, one of the watches of Kahanim, who they were punished that their locker room, so to speak, the place where they already have their stuff in the base of Mikdash, it all got sealed up because, says the Gemara, when the Greeks came into the base of Mikdash, one of the Greek generals married a woman whose name was Miriam Bas Bilga. She was a Jewish woman who converted, so to speak, or kind of she left her faith, and she married this Greek general, and when they came into the Mikdash, she went up to the Mizbeach, she took off her shoe, and she started hitting the Mizbeach, saying, you wolf, you wolf, when Klai Yisrael brings you karbonis, you eat it all up, but then when they need you, you don't stand up for them. And because of this act of disrespect, they punished her Mishmar, that they can't have a proper service in the Mikdash. And the Gemara asked the obvious question, what does the act of this individual, this Miriam Basbilga, have to do with everybody else? And the Gemara says, because a child picks up his opinions from his parents, called Shuta di Yunuka, everything a child says over in the Shuk, says the Gemara, he hears from either his father or his mother. And the value of Spain, Sefer Rafael, asked the obvious question, that unfortunately, God forbid, but we see many, many times are very, very great people, tzaddikim, gedolim even, who have children who do their own thing, who go off a derrick and make their own decisions. Each person is an individual. People make their own decisions. How can you automatically blame the parents, says Rebellia, if we see that it's not like that? We see good people whose children do their own thing. So he's at a very deep point. He said, you're right. In general, 100%. People make their own decisions. Kids don't necessarily follow on their parents' path. But there's a difference. You see, if a parent is very, very passionate about a certain thing, a certain mitzvah, if a parent makes that this is their thing, this is what they get excited about, this is what's important to them, you find that the kids naturally treat that thing differently. They treat that one thing with respect. Whatever their parents really, really cared about, their parents made a big deal about, that even if the kid goes off a derech, but that thing is a big deal by them. For a Kayin who serves in the base of Mikdash, says Rebellia, it has to be that he's excited about the opportunity to serve in the base of Mikdash. A Kayin can spend almost majority of his year, 80 to 90% of his year, not serving in the Mikdash. He only gets to serve for two weeks out of a year. 
It's something that he's waiting his whole year for. It's also something that he's excited about doing. If his own child could come and show such disrespect to the Mizbeach, it means that the Mizbeach wasn't given the proper reverence in the home. And that, says everybody, is what the Gemara is teaching us. It's not just in general you can blame parents for their kids, but a parent has the ability to give certain things chashivas, to give certain things importance and passion, and those things will trickle down to their children. And when it comes to Hanukkah specifically, it's a lesson we have to be very careful with because the entire beginning of Hanukkah, the Bach tells us, the reason why the Yavanim were able to conquer the Jews in the first place was because they were Hisrash Lubavayda. They got weak in their service of Hashem. They weren't excited about it. It wasn't important to them. And they didn't take it seriously. So Akash Baruch Hu made that they had to fight for it. Akash Baruch Hu made them see that sometimes you don't just get to serve Hashem. There could be Greeks come in and take away your ability to do mitzvahs. And you're going to have to fight and show that you do want to serve. That it's important to you. It's something you're willing to risk for. Something you're willing to give up for. And that was what the Nase of Hanukkah was meant to do. Not to bring Kaisal back to a point where they're passionate and they cared about their Avedis Hashem. Svasamas tells us that the Gemara says that someone who's Ruggo Baner, someone who's accustomed to lighting the nearest Hanukkah, nearest Shabbos, he'll be Zechah married to have children who are Talmidic Hacham who light up the world with their Torah. And he says, unfortunately, we find many people that they have Shabbos candles, they have Hanukkah candles, they don't find that their kids are Talmidic Hacham. So he explains Alpidar Hadrash, he says, Haragil Baner, someone has to be Ruggo Baner, that's a problem. Because it has to be You have to light the candles of Hanukkah until it gets finished. The hergel, the accustomedness, the boringness. It has to be completely wiped out. A person has to fire himself up over Hanukkah. A person has to light that candle and be excited about it and show his family and show his kids that Yiddishkeit is something that I'm passionate about. I don't just get excited when a new movie comes up in the theaters, I don't just get excited when we go out to eat. I'm excited when I go to show as well. I'm excited when I have a harusa. And the more I show that passion, the more an imprint, the more an effect it has on our kids, and the more we bring everybody up to a higher level. So we'll have a wonderful Shabbos and uplifting Hanukkah.